Hey, good morning, Destiny. Man, we're so fired up. You're checking us out online. Come on, guys. Are we excited about our online audience this morning? Woo, I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> hey, get out there. Look it. Share the link. Get this link out to everybody. We want everybody to see what's going on here at Destiny. We want God to show up in a mighty way in the homes where, right where you're at. So we thank you for tuning in this morning. We're just excited to see what God's ready to do. It's going to be a powerful, powerful Sunday. So lean in this morning. Lean in and see what God has for you. Let's pray. We're going to jump right into worship. So Father, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. You are so good, Father. You are so good. We just love you, God. We thank you, God. Come on, breathe on us this morning, Holy Spirit. Come on. Come in this place right now, Father God. Let us, man, just... Man, light this place up, Father. Come on, we want more of you in this place, Lord. We ask you to bless us today. Be with us today, Lord. Come on, holy. Come on, we just want more of you, God. We want more of you in our families, our homes, our city. Father God, we want more of you in our country, Lord. We just need you, Jesus. Come on, holy, just show up in a mighty, mighty way. Father, we love you. We thank you, God. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you this morning. And we just give you all the praise right now. We give you all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen and amen. Come on, stand to your feet. While you're at home, stand to your feet. Come on, let's worship together.
right out of Isaiah. I want you to sing it with us. Let your light shine for all to see for the glory of the Lord shines on you and me. Let your light shine your name. 
speaks a better word. Your love speaks a better word. Your love speaks a better word. Your blood speaks a better word. Your love speaks a better word. Your love speaks a better word. Oh, your blood speaks a better word. You put a ring upon my finger. You put a robe upon my back. Throw your arms around me and say, You are my son, my daughter, don't forget. You put a ring upon my fingers, you put a robe upon my back. You throw your arms around me and say, You are my son, my daughter, don't forget. You put a ring upon my fingers, you put a robe upon my back. You put your arms around me and say, you are the mighty hand, the mighty hand, and outstretched arms. You are the God who saves, delivers your name with the mighty hand, and outstretched arms. You are the God who saves, delivers your name. Yes, 
We remember that you are a God of hope and a God of love. You are a God of rest and a God of peace. You are a God of peace. How rebuke anything that is not to the little because in God there's no distinction there's no great and there's no small
Come on, let's just go to Yahweh in prayer for a second. Let's just, come on, let's just go to prayer.
gospel of Jesus. That's the simple gospel. The gospel of Jesus. He won the victory. And we 
this thing on. Can y'all hear me? All right, so uh, my wife went away to a conference this week. Uh, just for about a day, I think it was. But I found myself in my prayer room, in my worship room, and, and I found myself crying out to God. Like, as loud as I could do it, I was giving it all to Him. And if I don't know if you've ever experienced what that feels like to say, you know what, Lord? I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody says. I just need more of you. I'm just going to cry out how much I love you, Lord, how much we love you. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that because we're just going to scream out to him. We're going to cry out to him. You're going to tell him how much you love him. You're going to get loud in this place. So come on, at the count of three, let's give him everything he deserves. Come on, one, two, three. Come on, we love you, Lord. Come on, he wants more this morning. Come on, let's give one more big shout. Come on, let's give him everything he deserves. Let's get loud in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yes, Lord. Man, God is good. Come on. Yes, Lord. Oh. Come on. What you got for us, Hank?
Y'all feel the spirit of dancing in the house? All right, come on, everybody out of the seats. Come on, come on, everybody out of the seats. You have to command yourself to praise Yahweh. Your flesh does not want to do it, but all creation testifies who He is. You have to make yourself praise Him. Come on, come on, let's dance.
you. We worship you. You're so holy, so worthy, God. Come on, we just, we lift you up this morning. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name. Come on, one more shout of praise. Let's up today. what you're missing you're, you're missing that online we love you guys hey do me a favor take a take a small break find somebody you don't know tell them hello tell them you love them whatever it is we'll be right back Come on, good morning, Destiny. Right. Come on, thank you, production. Let's give it up for the production team. These guys are working hard back there. 
So good. Come on. Hey, let's give a shout out to our online campus. Come on. We love you guys. We thank you. Come on. We miss you. We miss you, but you're our online campus, so do me a favor. Share this link. Get it out there to everybody. Um, share it on your Facebook. Share it wherever you got to share it. Just share it. Uh, get it out there so that so that everybody can experience what you're about ready to experience. It's going to be good. Uh, but we do miss you. We want you back in church. We're doing everything we can to keep it safe here. But we want you back here, part of the family, so we can just, you know, be around you because that's what it's all about. But I love, I love what the Bible says. It says in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So we know that you're at home and we know you might be at work, wherever it might be. We know that as you gather together that he's going to be there. The Holy Spirit's going to be present uh, and God's going to show up in a mighty way. So, uh, but we are here for you, so if you need anything, if you're, you're going through difficulties, don't forget to reach out to the church. Let us know. Uh, see if we can help. We'll do whatever we can to help you uh, through this time and through this season uh, because we know God's good, and God's going to take care of you because we put all our faith in him and trust in him. It's going to be good. So, hey, if you're new to our church, if this is your first time here, there's a Connect card. Uh, you, I don't know if you received one when you came in. If not, if you raise your hand or whatever, we'll get you one. We have ushers that will get you a Connect card. If not, swing by Connection Point. It's the big wooden desk in the foyer before you leave, and make sure you just fill that out. Let us know you're here so we can send you something in the mail, and thank you for, for showing up. We're just excited about that. A couple more quick announcements. Our weekday services are going to be opening up in July. Okay, so I'm fired up over that because I know it's time to get things moving again. What that means, though, it's not this upcoming week, so we're going to start it uh, on the the 7th. Fat Tuesday will be on the 7th at 6 p.m. right here. Uh, Destiny Children's uh, Children's Ministry, they're going to be on the 8th, that Wednesday at 6 p.m., and then our student ministry will meet right here on the 8th, right in the sanctuary at 6 p.m. Uh, so come on, we're, yeah, come on, Kevin, come on. I appreciate you, brother. Getting excited all the time. So, so that's really good. And don't forget our Monday night prayer, no matter what is going on. So meet right here every single Monday night, uh, 6 o'clock. Come on out and pray with us. Look, the agenda is seek God. So we just show up. And we just let God do the rest. And we don't know where that goes. We don't know uh, how that le where it leads us or where, which way we go. We just know that we're going to surrender to God. And we come in every Monday night so the doors are open. Come on in and pray with us and see what God wants to talk to you about. See what God wants to give you on those days. It's really good. So I'm excited about that. Well, we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump right in uh, to our message today. So, so let's all pray together. Father, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. You are so good. We thank you for an opportunity to come out and just worship you. We thank you for a spot to worship you, Father God. We thank you for this. We thank you for our ability to go online and reach people, Lord. We just thank you. And right now, Father, I just lift this message up to you, Father God. Work in my heart right now, Father. Give me something, Lord, that, that is needed to be heard on the ears of those listening, Father God. And just let it be all you, not me, Father God. We surrender to you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen and amen. So, hey, I'm excited because we are entering into a new series uh, called The Beatitude Adjustment. All right, so, so for all the English people out there, if that was attitude, it's spelt wrong because that's not what it is. It's the B-attitude adjustment. Uh, I love this because uh, God put this on my heart like six months ago. I wrote it down in my journal, and I said, I know I'm supposed to come back to that someday, and I didn't know when. And then this week, he just started pouring out into me saying, this is where you need to go. So uh, this is where we're going. We're going to enter into this series, and kind of like all our series, I don't know how long it's going to last. When God quits telling me what to talk about, I guess we'll quit talking about it. Up to that point, I think it's really good information. This is, um, I, just, I just love it because unless you look at it in the right eyes, with the right eyes on, with the right lens on, it just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem right. And this is all focused on the, the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mountain is really what it is. Uh, and that's chapters uh, 5 uh, through 7. So that's a great, uh, great place to start. We're going to talk about that, but we're actually going to dig more into the Beatitudes and um, 
That's where our focus is going to be because we realize that, that the Beatitudes and what they represent, we realize that sometimes we need to adjust. We need to make adjustments in our life to get us back on track, back in the right direction. Uh, and, and the Beatitudes are a great foundation, a great way to say, steer me, Lord, guide me, Lord, show me the right direction to go in. So, so that's where this is all going. It kind of reminds me, um, kind of reminds me of a hiking trip. Uh, I had once, and I shared the story before, uh, but I went with my son and my daughter, and we went hiking uh, in Alabama somewhere. I can't remember where it was. It was one of the one with the really great views and all the rocks. It was really cool. Uh, we left around, uh, we wanted to be there around noon, and I thought this is going to be a quick trip. It's like six miles, three miles out, three miles back. I love hiking, so no big deal. Got to the park. We're getting ready to go hiking. I didn't want to buy a map, so I said, not a problem. I downloaded my GPS or, on, or my hiking app on my phone, and I said, let's go. And we followed that GPS, uh, that app on my phone to a T the whole time going out. And we're looking at it all the time, and we're on the right trail, and we're moving in the right direction. I'm like, yes, Lord, this is good. And we're stopping, and we're seeing stuff. But then we started getting comfortable. We started just getting comfortable saying, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, I don't need to follow anybody. I can do it on my own. Like, like there's a trail. I don't need this GPS to tell me where to go. I'm a grown man. I can do it all on my own. So we start hiking, and I'm not pulling out my GPS, and then the road comes to a split. The trail comes to a split. And, you know, one of the rules of hiking is that, that you never split up. Like, you stay together as a group. Well, we were so comfortable. I was so used to doing it on my own at this point. I told my son, you take the high road. Me and my daughter, we're going to take the low road. We're going to meet up on the other side. We're going to see who's faster. So now, because I'm doing it on my own, now we're getting, now we're just going at it. We're throwing caution to the wind. We're going to try to see how fast we can go through it. Well, we end up meeting at the other end, and we just kept going because I'm like, the trail's there, and I think he beat us because it was one against two. Uh, we get to the other end, and we're just hiking. And now we're just, about an hour later, I'm going, man, I've not seen this turnaround because it's one of those trails where you go out, it turns around, you come back. Three miles out, turn around, three miles back. Well, we're out there. And I'm thinking, I didn't see a turnaround. So I pull out my, my, my app and my phone, and I'm like, come on, Lord, and no service. See, this is what happens when you try to do it on your own. This is what happens. You, you think you can do it on your own, but you realize you need a lot more help than, than what you can provide. And we got to that point, and all of a sudden we had to start backtracking. I don't know if you've ever had backtrack in your life because you messed something up, but I had to do some backtracking. We had to get back on the trail and head all the way back, and then luckily we ran into this gentleman who was camping up on the hill because it was about dark. And he goes, what are y'all still doing out here? And I said, well, my app's not working. And you could hear the chuckle in this guy's voice like, you're an idiot. Like, you're in the middle of the woods, man. Like, you can't expect the app to work. So he luckily had a map. Sometimes you need a road map. Some, sometimes you need a hard road map, something that tells you where to go. And he gave us that map, and it was pitch black, and we were walking, we were walking on cliffs. I'm talking this close to an edge, dropping 30 feet. And you got a wall on this side, and it's pitch black. And you got two little headlamps, and the other one's walking in the middle of you so she can see. And I'm like, this was crazy. But here's the thing. The road map got us back to where we needed to be. I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't do it on my own. And that's what I look at when I, when I, look, to, uh, when I look at these Beatitudes. It's a roadmap. It's a roadmap. It tells us where to go. It, it's the roadmap to the kingdom of heaven. It's the roadmap to finding God and knowing God. You can't do it on your own. And when you try, you get yourself in a lot of trouble. 
and you end up backtracking. You end up spinning around. You end up going the wrong way. Okay? Good part is the Lord always show up. He'll always show up with the map. He'll always show up with a hand and say, hey, let me steer you out of here. Let me guide you out of here. Just trust me. And you got to once again turn in and trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with everything. With everything. See, because Jesus is the true north. He's the true north. And when you know where true north is, you can't get lost. Right? You're going to trust him. He's the true north. You're going to trust him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. You give him everything. And when you trust him, he's going to direct your ways. Right? He's going he's to light the path. He's going to steer you. He's going to guide you. So you can't get comfortable. You can't get to the point in your life where you're so comfortable you're not dependent upon him. Because that's when it all starts to happen. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, as, I, as I turn into uh, um, the Bible, we'll get there in a second, trust me. Uh, there's plenty of Bible in this message today. I'm going to be reading a whole bunch. Uh, but the key to this whole thing is submitting to him. And when I look at the Beatitudes, you know, it actually says that the Beatitudes actually used to be the, the Messianic Torah. It was the law, the teaching, right? And it was referred to as the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. The constitution of the kingdom of heaven. So think about that. The kingdom of heaven is not a place you go. It's here. Okay. And who's in charge of the kingdom? The king. The Lord. Our God. But there's a constitution. There's a law to that. And that's the beatitudes. That's the beatitudes. The beatitudes are the law. They're the constitution to reaching the kingdom of heaven. To fall under his authority. The authority of the Lord. Because, you know, when you're in a kingdom, he's in charge. And there's authority that comes with that. Okay, so we're going to kind of jump into this today. Um, because, you know, I think about all the stuff. I, I love reading, you know, I, I read multiple versions of this scripture today. And I'm going to share multiple uh, translations of it uh, to you. Because I love how some, some, some translations break it down a different way. So it's always good to try to find. I know we all have a favorite Bible. Um, you know, I... I I had the favorite Bible, and then now I'm, now I'm kind of converting all over the place. And I'm like, ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, Daisy taught me how to use the Amplified. I'm like, come on, that's so good. I don't even have to think sometimes. It tells me and explains things and just points it out. I love it. Uh, but here's what I love. I said, it's the, the this here, the, the, the Beatitudes, it's a superior version of all that God expects and provides for those that yield to him. See, when Jesus came, he didn't get rid of everything. He raised the bar. See, a lot of people think that, that, oh, we got rid of all the Old Testament. It's gone. Now it's just Jesus. He loves us. He actually raised the bar. He said, you know what? There, there's some other things you need to do. You know, uh, there's some stuff in there. Like if you think about the Old Testament, it talks about thou shall not commit adultery. And the New Testament says if you even think it in your mind. So, you know, he didn't come to erase everything. He came to raise the bar a little bit. He said, let, let me challenge you in a little bit. But here's the thing. You, you can easily, you know, um, you can easily get saved. Saves, getting saved for free. That's for free. But if you want to get into the kingdom of heaven, if you want to experience the kingdom of heaven on earth, it costs something. Okay, it costs something. It means you got to dig in a little bit deeper. You got to do more. Okay, you got to do more than just show up. So Jesus gives us more than laws. He gives us promises of power to fulfill all that he asks of us. See, that's the cool part. He's going to ask us to do all kinds of stuff. But, man, he gives us the power, the power to accomplish what he asks us to do. 
And here's the thing. It's not on the outward duties. This is the thing. It's not about an outward duty. He wants you to do something. It's about an inward transformation of your heart, okay, to make things happen. See, that's the cool part. It's not about what you do. It's all about your heart. It's a shift. It's a transformation in your heart. So, and, and it's through grace, and that's how he does it. And whenever you mention grace in church, sometimes people take it the wrong way uh, about what's grace. I'll define it real quick for you. Grace is the empowerment to overcome sin. Okay, so the ability to say no, to stop the temptation, the sin action. If you think about that, God gives us grace. The grace is the empowerment within us to stop doing what we probably shouldn't do. So when you say you fall under the grace of God, it's because he's given us the power to say no. The power to say, I'm going to do it right. He gave us that power. That's grace. Okay, that's grace. So God's kingdom God's kingdom is offered up to those who learn the way of Christ, offer themselves to him with full surrender. So when we surrender to God, man, that's when we can walk fully into that kingdom and say, Lord, I'm all yours. Hmm. Because you can be saved and not experience the kingdom. See, salvation's for the lost, the kingdom's for the saved. So you should be taken one step further. You know, I remember when I first got saved, I came into church going, all right, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I'm seeking you with everything. And I remember that ultimate moment when the Holy Spirit just filled me up and I was like, Lord, I'm saved and I gave my heart to Christ. That was one pursuit. That was a pursuit. And then once I received that, then I knew there was a second come. There was a second purpose in my life. And it wasn't just come into church to to listen to music and listen to a good word. It was, all right, God, what's next? What do you want me to do? What's the purpose and plan you have in my life? And now I've got to pursue it. I've got to pursue it. And how am I going to pursue it? Well, I need to draw closer to you. I need to surrender to you. I need to find a way to, to take everything that I'm holding on to that I say is mine, 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 which is what we do as people. We're pretty selfish. And say, Lord, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. So that's the, that's the difference. So here we have the Beatitudes. Uh, and when I talk about Beatitudes, some of you, I don't know who's heard Beatitudes before. In some Bibles, it titles it Beatitudes. Uh, basically, it's, 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 you know, when I first read it, you know, originally I was like, oh, it's an attitude. The attitude I'm supposed to be like. Uh, but it's not. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that goes into it. Beatitude actually defined is a blessing. It's su supreme blessedness. Supreme blessedness. So the Beatitudes describe the blessedness of those who have certain qualities or experiences peculiar to the belonging to those belonging to the kingdom of heaven. So it's a condition or statement of blessedness. So I'm going to dig a little deeper just to share this with you. The Aramaic word, uh, tuwehon, is enriched, happy, fortunate, delight, uh, delighted, blissful, content, blessed. So when you read that in the Bible, it's actually Tuweon, which means to have the capacity to enjoy union and communion with God. The capacity to, to share union, coming together to know who he is, and communion, saying, I'm all in. I trust you. I believe in you. So beatitudes are blessed experiences and conditions. But I just never read it that way. You know, when I read it, I, I read through it going, Really? You know, so when you, when you read through this, and I'm going to read through it in a couple translations, but um, 
But we're going to go to Matthew, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. We're going to start in the NIV, Matthew 5, 1 through 12 in the NIV. And like I said, this is the Sermon on the Mount. So this is where Jesus is first preaching and speaking. Starting in verse 5, it says, Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When I first read that, I said, how are you blessed? I didn't want to be blessed. <laughs> I said, blessed does not sound good. I was like, so, so to be blessed, it meant that I had to be poor. This is why I read it. So this is where I'm telling you where I was when I first read this was, was I need to be poor. I need to be mourning somebody. I need to be meek. I need to be hungry. And then God will bless me. Well, it changed a little bit as you study it, as you research it, as you dig into to what it says. Okay, and then I want to read it from the, the, the passion because I, I didn't, I mean, when I read it from the passion, I was like, it just changed the way I thought. So, um, so I'm going to read this from the passion now and see if you pick out something other than you're just blessed because of all those things. So Matthew 5, 1 through 12 from the passion says, one day Jesus saw a vast crowd of people gathering to hear him so he went up to went up the slope of a hill and sat down with his followers and disciples spread over the hillside Jesus began to teach them what wealth is offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty for there is no charge to enter the realm of the heaven's kingdom what delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord for you will find what you long for what blessings comes to you when gentleness lives in you and you will inherit the earth. How enriched are you when, you when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, and then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How blessed you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right. For that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute, persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great for you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Whew. I'm excited to be blessed. I'm excited to say, Lord, bless me. Because it reads so powerful, so wonderful when you submit to him. It just comes to life. But it's so easy to get caught up with the word blessed. And it ties you up until you actually break it down and you see all the different translations for it. And it makes a little more sense. 
But what I love is verse 3 and 10 are the bookends. Verse 3 and 10 are the bookends. Okay, that, that's what holds everything together. And when I look at those two uh, and I break it down, it talks about, um, well, I'm jumping ahead. I'm not going to jump ahead. We're going to focus on the first one no matter what. We're going we're to start with the first one today. We're, I want to focus on the first beatitude um, because I think it's the, the most important one. It's, uh, it's the foundation to, to, for all the other ones. That's what it is. It's the foundation for all the other ones. So you, if you don't have the first beatitude and you had not figured that one out, the rest of them are going to be really tough. All right, so we're going to focus on the first one. My goal is to get through all of these. Uh, eventually, not today. So, you know, I know we got lunch and stuff. Um, <laughs> But we will get through them however long this series goes. We're going to talk about all of them, but I want to focus on the first one. It's the bedrock and the foundation. If you, um, So I want to go right back to that. It's verse 5. Uh, or, yeah, verse 5, 3. It says, what wealth is offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For there is no charge to enter the realm of heaven's kingdom. In the NIV, that's, this is the one that says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. I used to read that and think, blessed are the poor. But when you read it as poor in spirit, when you read it um, as those that, um, we're going to break down poor in spirit. But when you think about it as those that submit everything to God and say, you know what? I'm going to humble myself before I don't know everything. Because I've been around a lot of church people, and there are some people that think they know everything, and if they just do it their way, and they're doing everything their way, then everything's going to be perfect. But they don't realize that sometimes you got to submit it to God. And God says, are, are you going to be humble enough to, to, to cry out to me? Are you going to be humble enough to seek me? Are you going to be humble enough to search for more? To search for more. So I love that it says wealth is offered to us. Wealth is offered to you. When you feel your spiritual poverty. So the wealth. What's the wealth they're talking about? The blessings of God. His love. His peace. His mercy. Him. Jesus. Is offered to you. When you have spiritual poverty. It's offered to you when you have spiritual bankruptcy. When you say, you know what? No matter what I do, it's not going to be enough. I need to go deeper and deeper and deeper, one step at a time, one step at a time. I want to be spiritual bankrupt in front of God. I want to say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need you every single day. From the minute I wake up, I want to pour into you. I want, I, Lord, I just want to seek you, and I want you to guide me. I want you to steer me. I shouldn't be able to wake up and say, I got this, Lord. I'm a good driver. I can get all the way to work without getting an accident. All on my own. No, I need to wake up, and I need to pray for safe travels, and I need to pray that God give me a word for somebody, and I need to depend upon him every single day of my life. That's spiritual poverty. That's spiritual bankruptcy. It's saying, Lord, I need you more and more each day. I'm not good enough to do it on my own. See, that's when the Holy Ghost is available. <laughs> the, the more spiritual poverty you have, the more the Holy Spirit shows up. And just steers you and guides you and directs you. What I love though, it's not automatic. It's not automatic, see. It says, it says, wealth is offered to you. It's offered. Which means you have a choice. You have a choice to receive it or not. The Holy Spirit is 
offering it to you if you choose to take it. Um, give you an example. I was, my wife went on that conference thing this weekend. So of course, after I dropped her off, I was like, yay, she's not here. I can go get some fast food. <laughs> so I went to cookout. I was like, yes, cookout. I can eat as much as I want. I'm going to get a shake and my wife's not going to tell me I can't. It's going to be good. I remember waiting in line because those lines are long. And I'm sitting in that line, and my window's down, and I've just got praise music going, and I'm just enjoying it. And there's this, like, knock on my back window, and there was a lady standing right there. Kind of shocked me at first. But she was a lady in need. And she just, you know, she kind of went in to tell me that, you know, her animal was killed or whatever. But she said, could you buy me some food? Absolutely. Like, like I'll buy you some food. What kind of food do you want? She said, Anything. Anything you get me will be good. I was like, whew. <laughs> Anything I get you will be good. She asked for food and said anything. It's that, that beggar perspective. See, beggars have a different perspective in life. And I don't know if you've ever been to that point in your life where you didn't have something to eat and somebody wants to bless you with something, you're taking it. Or if you've been in that position where <laughs> there were times we were searching through the couch cushions. So we could buy some bologna and some cheese. And I'm like, Lord, come on. And if somebody offered me money at that point, thank you. It's a, I don't care if it was a quarter. But thank you. You felt blessed. You accepted it. It was an offering. They were offering it to you. Problem is, we get caught up in this world. You know, and I see this happen a lot. I see what happens to us. Um, because when you don't have anything, it's easy to accept something. It's easy to be humble. But when you have stuff, it's hard to accept a blessing. It's hard to humble yourself because you think you have everything. I've been there where people come in and say, hey, can I bless you with this? Like, I'm sure somebody else needs it. I'm sure somebody else could use that. But they're like, no, nah, I wasn't told to give it to somebody else. I was told to give it to you. Will you receive it? See, the problem is we get so caught up with ourselves. We get so prideful thinking we can do it on our own. Sometimes we, we push away the blessings. We push away the offerings because we say, you know what? I got this. I don't need it. Give it to somebody else. And God's saying, I'm trying to bless you. So we don't have that beggar mentality. We don't have that beggar thought process of anything, Lord, anything. Maybe we get selective. You know, I don't know if that was me. I might have been like, well, I'll take the cheeseburger, hold the tomatoes, um, just a little bit of mustard, not a whole bunch. No, when you've got the beggar mentality, it's anything. I'll take whatever you give me. And, that, and that's where you want to be when you approach the Lord. Anything, God. Anything, Lord. Whatever you want. I surrender. Anything. I'm not going to be picky. I'm not going to ask you to, to tell me if I should buy this house or that house. Anything. Because he might say neither of them. Anything. So we need to enter into that, into that presence saying anything, Lord, anything. We need to have a beggar's mentality. Because I think the problem is when you have money, you feel not worthy of it. Like, like I'm not worthy of a blessing because I have that or I have food. So why are you bringing me food? I have food. And it's just that mentality. And that's what we're trying to get rid of. It's the, the pride mentality, not the humility mentality. Okay, and, and that's where we need to seek God with that humility and say, you know what, I need to have, I, I can't be poor in spirit. Because sometimes when we approach God, we only approach him when there's something really bad. And now I'm poor in spirit 
but because I couldn't do it on my own. <laughs> so now I'm searching you, God. Now, now I'm really coming at you. So when you're living in poor in spirit or living in a spiritual poverty, that's the easiest way to receive and experience the kingdom of God. It's when you're walking around in spiritual poverty. And don't get that messed up. I don't mean like you don't know the word. You don't, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you know the word. You know what you're supposed to do. And what you do has become so routine in your life, you think that's good enough. And you walk around going, nah, I did my five minutes of prayer. I got my verse of the day. Um, that should get me through the day. I'm good, Lord. All right, let's go. And you live that way because you're comfortable. You live that way because that's enough, right? That's just enough. Problem with that is that you're not growing in Christ. Problem with that is you're not, you're not letting God use you to do more and more and more because you're only experiencing just a little bit of what he wants to give you. I, I call it putting our, our life on spiritual cruise control. You know, I, I love cruise control in a car when I go on a road trip. Because I don't want to deal with the speed limits. I don't want to deal with all that stuff. There's too much chaos when you do that. So I just like to get in the car, set it, set it hit the cruise control, and go. But what happens when you're on cruise control in a car? You're just going. Now you're singing. You're not even paying attention. I'm not looking at exits. I'm not looking at if the speed limit changed. Right? You ever been on cruise control and the speed limit changed and you didn't see it? Then they remind you of it with the lights. Like, when did that change? He's like, three miles back, bro. Three miles. There's been like 10 signs in between there and here. You're still, but I was on cruise control, right? And, and when you come off cruise control on a highway, like when someone jumps in front of you, slams on the brake, now it's a little chaotic because now you're like, well, what's the speed limit? How fast am I supposed to go? Did I miss my turn? You get a little chaotic. Well, I think that's how it is in our life, our spiritual life. Our spiritual life is like that. We put it on cruise control. And in cruise control, we think we're safe because guess what? We're not taking risks. There's no chaos. We're like, ah, this is good, Lord. I'm on cruise control. We're just going to cruise. And I'm going to do, do whatever I did that worked for me last month, last week, yesterday. It worked yesterday. It's got to work today. So I'll just stay on cruise control. And God says, you need to get off cruise control because I'm changing the speed limit. I got something else for you. It's going to be a whole lot faster than what you're going. And if you want to keep up with me, you need to step on it. That's my kind of God. Like, I want God to tell me step on it. I'd love to get out there and just floor it. Like, let's go, God. As fast as you want to go, I'm there. But I can't do that on cruise control. I got to take it off cruise control. I got to seek him. I got to go after him more and more. Man, worship got my throat all going this morning. Good job, Hank. Appreciate you guys. Cry out to God. Woo. But I think that's a problem we see. It. We see it happening in churches. We see it happening in businesses. We see it happening with entrepreneurs. We see it happening all over the world, just not individuals. You know, churches will go hungry after God. They'll go hungry. Startup churches, they're going in. They're knocking on everybody's door. They're going all in. They're trying to get it set up. And then once they hit a spot, they go, you know what? I think we arrived. This is good. Look at all the people in here. The finances are good. We got a large congregation. We got tons of people serving, and they put it on cruise control. And they say, as long as we don't mess up, everything's going to be smooth. Well, you just messed up because you're not supposed to put it on cruise control. 
You're supposed to seek aggressively God. You're supposed to go after him and say, Lord, anything you want. It should be a continuous process of change, of, of reaching out, of risk, saying, Lord, wherever you tell me to go, we're going. I can't sit back on cruise control and say, but it feels good. But you'll see it not only in churches, you see it in businesses. You'll see businesses that just start blowing it up. And then they lose, when they hit cruise control, they lose all their morals. They lose everything. They go, well, before we had to, you know, before we prayed all the time just to get customers. But now we don't even need to pray anymore. They're just showing up. No, you might need to be praying a little bit more. They won't be showing up for long. Okay, but that's what we do. We, we find ourselves in that position. We find ourselves in that spiritual cruise control. So we need to humble ourselves. We need to seek God with all of our heart. See, because God wants you to want him. God wants you to want him. What if your marriage was like that, where you just hit that point in your marriage where you were like, hmm, that was good. We got 50 years left. I'm kind of tired of chasing you around, so we'll just let it happen. Not good. You got to continue to pursue, continue to chase. Guys, you should be chasing your wife around the house. <laughs> if you're single and dating, you shouldn't be chasing each other around the house. This might turn into a marriage series real quick. But here's the thing when you chase after him, he's going to start revealing stuff to you, he's going to start showing you things, the secrets he has for you. That the stuff that he's lined up a long time ago. He's just been waiting for you to get on the right track, to get on the right roadmap, to start going down the right trail. This whole time he's saying, look, I've got something for you. So the more you seek him, the more you find him. The more you find him, the more secrets he reveals to you. But see, that's all an offering. You have a choice. You can choose not to seek it. You can choose not to dig any deeper. You can just sit back, keep it on cruise control, and accept what you have. But God's saying, you're just, you don't even know. Like, that's not even, you're not even experiencing part of what I really want to give you. But it takes us. It takes a decision for us to move in. Revelations 3, 15 through 16. I don't think you have that on your screen back there. Sorry. It's okay, though. I'm just going to read it. Revelations 3, 15 through 16. It says, I know all that you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. How I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are neither cold nor hot but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you from my mouth. God says, I can't have you on cruise control. I can't have you on luke lukewarm. He says, it's going to be you're either going to be cold or you're going to be hot. But he says, when you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you from my mouth. It doesn't mean that he's rejecting you. God loves you. But what he's saying is that it's kind of like a parent. This is how I receive it. It's kind of like a parent. When your child does something wrong, you get a feeling inside your gut that you're just like, oh, how many times have I told you not to do that? And you didn't listen to me this time. And you get this stirring in your gut. And I believe God's saying, look, look. When you're lukewarm, it stirs in my gut because I know what I want to give you. I know what you're capable of. I know what I have for you if you just submit to me. And it stirs him up to where he wants to just throw up. <laughs> he doesn't reject you. He just says, I can't have it. Like, I feel that bad for you that you're not willing to accept what I have for you. That you're not willing to walk into something I want to release to you. A spiritual bankruptcy. Like I said, it has nothing to do with what you do or, or how much you know. 
And so I don't want you to think that you have to be somebody who doesn't know Christ to be spiritual bankrupt. That's not it. You, you can be smart. You can have all that stuff. You, it, it, the whole point is, is for you to submit yourself no matter what your level of education, no matter what your level of experience, no matter how holy you are, you submit to him every single day. That's spiritual bankruptcy. That's saying, Lord, it's not me, it's you, and it's only you. Hmm. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is that you haven't arrived if you ever think you've arrived in your walk with, with Christ, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You just haven't. I see it all the time with athletes. You see these athletes that go from high school to college, then they make it from college to, to say, let's talk football, to the NFL. They just went from, I guess, rules and people with oversight, and they make it to the NFL, and they say, you know what? I made it. I'm right where I need to be. I don't need to worry about any of the rules because nobody's watching over me anymore. I can do whatever I want. And what happens is they stumble and they fall. And the talent they were blessed with, the talent they were given goes to waste. Because guess what? They thought, well, I've arrived. I've, I've met it. So that can happen anywhere. It can happen in your spiritual walk, in your job, in school, no matter what it is. When you think you've arrived, you've got a problem. You need God every day of your life. See, when you're spiritual bankrupt, you have one remedy. That's the good part. When you're spiritual bankrupt, you don't have to search for anything else. It's just trusting God with everything. You don't have to go to a doctor. <laughs> not saying that you're sick. I'm just saying that, that there's not like 10 things and you got to choose which one it is. I'm spiritual bankrupt. God, it's all you. So that's it. <laughs> that's my answer. Lord, you show me. You take, you take the reins, Lord. I can't do it anymore. It's total reliance upon God. And that's the doorway to the kingdom of heaven, relying on God for everything, being humble in the spirit. Being, it says, I guess if you translate it, it should be delighted are those who have sur surrendered completely to God and trust only in him. See, now that's the key. That's the key. Trust only in him. So you need to create an urgency in your life an urgency every day to find him, to seek him, to get closer to him. It's an urgency. It should be the number one thing you think of when you wake up. It's all throughout the Bible, talking about poor. So I'm going to kind of pull up some other scriptures. I said there's a lot of Bible today. Um, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. I, I use this verse for everything, and it's funny how everything ties into this verse. I absolutely love it. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 says, uh, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. See, he says, I came to do what? Proclaim the good news, the gospel to the poor, the ones that are poor in spirit, the ones with spiritual poverty. Put humble in the place of poor. If you put the word humble in the place of poor and read it, it says, because the Lord, the Lord anointed me to proclaim good news to the humble. Humble in spirit. He wants to share it with you. But you have to be humble enough to say, Lord, I need you. I need more of you. You got to be humble in our spirits. See, when you see it different, you feel it different. That's the cool part. When you see it different, when you read it different, all of a sudden things start feeling a little bit different. This present feels a little bit different. What he asks you to do is just a little bit different. It starts making a whole lot of sense. 
I'm going to go to James 4, 6. James 4, 6, it says, But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. God resists you when you're proud. Here we are talking about being, being poor in the spirit. You're either poor in the spirit or you're, you're prideful in the spirit. And it says right here, guess what? It says right there, it says that he does what? He resists the proud. God resists you when you're proud. <laughs> but he pours out grace when you're humble. If you want more, I've got more. Isaiah 41:17. Isaiah 41:17 says, "The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I." The God of Israel will not forsake them. I love that because when I look at that one, I say the, the poor and needy search for water, but there is none. See, the poor and needy, the humble, the humble in spirit, the needy, they search out for who? God. He is the living water. He is the one. So he says, when you're poor and needy, poor in spirit, I will pour out into you. I will pour out. Now, there are times in the Bible, like I'm not saying every time it says poor, <laughs> it means poor in spirit. I think it's mentioned 15 times Jesus mentions poor. And like three of those, it means actually poor. Like no money, like nothing. But 11 times it means poor in spirit. You're poor in spirit. So Isaiah 57, 15 says, For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. He says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. See, we need to maintain this contrite heart. The Hebrew word for that means to be crushed or sometimes to be thoroughly crushed, to be dejected, broken, beaten to pieces or broken into pieces, to be bruised, to be humbled. You need to be humbled at heart, humbled at heart. And when you are, he's going to revive us. See, there's a, a pleasure in him reviving us. There's a pleasure in that, being that close to him where he revives you. We all need personal revival sometimes. We need that time and that moment when God just comes in and wrecks you no matter where you're at. I wish that was every day. It's not every day, but I wish it was because, man, it's a, it is a powerful, powerful moment when you just get a personal Revival. <laughs> it's kind of like clean sheets on your bed. <laughs> I don't know why this popped in my head. But we always have sheets on our beds, and sheets are comfortable. At least our sheets are comfortable. But, man, when you got clean sheets on the bed, you get in the, the clean sheet bed, that's totally different. That's some good stuff. Like, like you want clean sheets every day. Because you're like, man, it's just clean sheets. Well, that's how it is with God. Like, God is good. God's like, yeah, I got sheets all the time. But sometimes you just want clean sheets. <laughs> you just want God to show up in such a powerful way. It's so refreshing. It's renewing. And you're like, man, I want more of that. I want more of it. We need to go buy like 20 pairs of sheets. And then just every day. 
Oh, but Isaiah 66, 2, says, Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. He looks with favor on those that are humble in spirit, poor in spirit, the ones that, that say, God, I need, he, he looks on favor. You want to know where favor comes from? Submit to God. Cry out to God. Don't think you have it all under control. Everything belongs to him. Rely on him for everything. Fall under his authority. Tremble at his word. Tremble at it. Hmm. When I look back through the Bible, though, I love it. We were singing it today, and I just love where we talked about um, the favor with, with Noah and Moses. And, and, you go, and when you look back in the Bible, you see favor upon favor with certain people, but then you got to look back to what were they doing. How did they receive the favor? When you start digging into how they received the favor, you start seeing the, the, the code the, the, to unlock that, to unlock that in your life. You know, praying, fasting, worshiping, spiritual disciplines. There's disciplines in that. For us, reading his word, study it. Because every time you read his word, something new pops up. You know, that's what I love about, you know, I think the greatest part about my message is not the message. It's preparing the message. Because <laughs> every time I look at it, God gives me something new. I'm like, I didn't see that yesterday. Oh, I didn't see that an hour ago. That is so good, Lord. And he just keeps speaking to you. It's powerful. Sharing the message isn't that fun. <laughs> the powerful part is, is building the message and letting God work through you and, and create something in you. Wow. <sighs> But here's the thing, you can't earn it. And I don't want you to think that you can earn it because you can't. Can't earn his favor. Can't earn his love. He gave you his love for free. Okay, You're, his love is for free. You can't earn that. You can't. But here's what you can do. The more you do those things, the more you do the spiritual disciplines in your life, the more you experience his love. The more you experience his presence. See, that's totally different. It's kind of like... Um, let me talk about bonfire. I love fires. I love starting big fires, especially in the fall because it's cold out. I don't like fires in the, in the summertime. It's already 180 degrees outside. I don't want a fire. But in the fall and in the wintertime, I love it. So, so we start a bonfire, and I like a fire. Like, I'm not talking like, if you have one of those little metal little pits that you put two little pieces of wood in, that's not a bonfire, y'all. That's like, I don't know, that's like kindling. Uh, I'm talking about 15-foot Christmas tree, light this thing up. I want a flame that the, they, they can see in outer space. That's a bonfire. So when we start ours, if it's not six-foot high, it's not, it's not suitable. <laughs> so I need flames. I need, we got a big old pit uh, that we build in our house, and, uh, and we just do it. We used to have youth ministry over all kinds of stuff. They loved it, man. When you, you get a bunch of teenagers around a big fire, they love it. You just got to make sure they don't get burned and stuff. But it's good. But I love the fire, but here's the thing with a bonfire. It's so big at our house, you can see it from inside the house. You can even walk out on our front porch and look over in the field, and you can see it. And it looks warm. It, it, it looks enjoyable. It looks peaceful. But you can't feel the warmth. You can't feel it. You can't feel it at all. It looks warm, but you can't feel it. You can't feel it until you draw close to it. You don't feel the heat coming off the fire until you position yourself close enough to feel it. Okay, so, so you got to understand that. It, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> you got to stand next to the fire to feel the warmth. 
You position your cold heart next to the, the fire of God and experience the warmth that he will fill you up with. You can't just stare at it from a distance. See, the power's in the fire. And that's what you need to remember. The power's in Jesus. The power's in the Holy Spirit. He is the power. So no matter what you do, you don't create power. You create an experience. You position yourself, right? You position yourself to feel it. <laughs> but your spiritual disciplines, see, that's what's so good about those spiritual disciplines. When you pray, when you worship him, when you fast, when you do these things, what you're doing is you're picking up your folding chair and you're going and you're setting it out next to the fire of God and you're sitting down and saying, Lord, I want to feel it. Because I tell you what, if you sit next to our bonfire long enough, Right, Jazzy? It gets hot. Like, you got to back up because it's that good, isn't it? It's powerful. It's powerful. Well, that's the fire of God. It is so powerful. Pretty soon, you're going to be so close to it, you're going to take a step back a little bit because you're like, that's, that's some pretty good stuff. But you got to position yourself there. It's an offer, right? It's like I said, it's an offering. You got to position yourself to receive it. Mm. If you want to experience the fire of God, you need to position yourself. But here's the difference. There's a huge gap in between what we're experiencing and what's available to us. There's a huge gap. The more we seek, obviously, the more we find, right? The more you chase after him, the more he reveals to you. But there is such a gap from, from where we're at and what we're experiencing and how we're letting God use us and the stuff he has and the stuff he has for us way over here. And he's like, and it's good all along the way. You know, as you walk closer to the fire, it gets warmer and warmer and warmer. And he says, it's good the whole way. The journey's good, but you can't stop in one spot. You can't stop in one spot. Because you need to keep moving. But that distance is so big. The gap is so big. Mm. thing is there's so much more but you got to want it you got to desire it you got to seek it and you got to say you know what I'm not I'm not happy with where I'm at no matter where you're at because there's there's times where I feel like I've never experienced this before this is so good and then the next day it's like Lord that wasn't good enough I want more I want more and when you stay there long enough well like I said you get comfortable you get comfortable and you start doing things on your own because as long as you don't make a mistake, you're good. See, we're rich in what's available, but poor in what we experience. And forget we're sons and daughters of God. We are sons and daughters. We have, a, we have accessibility to everything he owns. But guess what? We're acting like servants. We're acting like people that just serve and we don't have access to it. We can just give it to somebody. We don't get to experience it, but God says, look, you're my son and daughter. You have full access to everything I have. Quit acting like a servant and start acting like a son and daughter. Chase after it. Seek it. Hmm. Here's the thing. When you don't recognize the, the gap, you fall into a trap. That's what happens. Because the gap is so big. And when you don't realize it, you fall right in. And that's where you stay. Because you don't realize there's more. Because you've never experienced, some, some of you, you've never experienced how powerful God is using you right now. You're like, this is so good. 
you forget there's still a big gap of where he wants to take you. But you get so comfortable right there. You say, I'll just hang out here. This is better than I've ever had it. I'm not begging for food. I'm not, I'm not begging for a word. God, this is good. How do I maintain? He doesn't want you to maintain. He wants you to aggressively drive forward. Seek me more and more and more. And I will show you. And I will show you the secrets I have for you. Hmm. Problem is, is that, that you see a lot of people that, for us, it looks great on the outside sometimes. And you're like, but everything on the outside looks good, Lord. You're, you, I got food on the table. We're paying the mortgage. Uh, everything is good on the outside, but on the inside, you're just wrecked. You're just wrecked. And you're like, it's, I get it. I feel the blessings. I see the blessings, but I'm not in that relationship blessing. I'm not in that, that experience. I'm not experiencing the blessings of God in my heart and my life. You're probably on cruise control. Here's the problem with that. You know, when you quit seeking God, sin starts creeping in. That's what happens. When you get comfortable and you put it on cruise control, sin starts creeping into your life. Starts creeping in. You don't even see it. Problem is, the more you sin, the less you care. So that's how it gets you. Quit seeking God. Allow sin to come in, and then you're going to sin, and then all of a sudden you don't care so much anymore. And it gets easier and easier and easier, and pretty soon you find yourself lost in the wilderness without a map, without a GPS, crying out for God, going, Lord, I'm lost again. And he picks you up and he brings you back, but he doesn't like that. That's not what he wants. He wants you to experience what he has for you. The problem is, is that that's what our prideful attitude does. Our pride, when we get to that position, our prideful attitude doesn't want to cry out for forgiveness to God. We don't want to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me and repent and turn from what you're doing. He, we don't, our prideful attitudes won't allow us to do that. That's the problem. The problem with that is that life is short. You don't know how long you're on this earth. And we all, have a, a, we all have a duty. We all have a purpose in this life. And God's put us here for a reason. And the more you fall into that, you can't accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. Hank, this popped in my head, and I'm sorry. But this has nothing to do with our dinner the other night. But <laughs> you got to get naked in front of the Lord, brother. <laughs> you got to tell him everything. See, that's the problem. Sometimes, sometimes you just want to, you know, he knows everything, but he's waiting on you to tell him everything. He says, just get naked in front of me. Quit hiding stuff from me. I already know what you did. Cry out to me. Tell me what you did wrong. Let me forgive you. Ask for forgiveness. That's what he wants. Hmm. I'm not going to share where that story came from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's the thing if you're going to live in the kingdom of heaven you, you need to worship the king you need to give him control you need to say lord I, I can't be in your kingdom and not obey you not not give you authority not give you control in my life you surrender to him you know unfortunately we got a lot of people that live in the kingdom of the world they do what the world tells them to do they, they, they get prideful because they have the ability. You know, you have an ability. We, we live in a great country. You have the ability 
to, to go out and pursue something and get a great job and make a whole bunch of money and provide. And, and you have the ability to feel like you have everything in the world. You have the ability to do that. That's where we live. We live in a place like that. What you don't have when you get there for a lot of people is the fact that you go, whew, I'm still missing something. What am I missing? And you realize you're so prideful over being able to do it on your own to, to get where you wanted to go on your own that you forget that somebody has to help you along the way. You forget that you have to turn it over to the one and only. I'm all over the place, so just bear with me. Mm. <laughs> That's our production team. Amen. <laughs> You're everywhere. I don't even know. <laughs> Here's the problem with this is that when you stop seeking God, you stop finding him. So the whole, the whole point is seek him. When you don't seek him, you're definitely not going to find him. And he wants to bless you. He wants to, he wants to show you. Man, I don't know why we settle for just that little bit we have. No matter how good it feels, it's just a little bit. And I don't know why we settle for that. We need to adjust our direction. We need to make some small adjustments. But it's continual adjustments. It's, all right, I need to go further and further and further. Just little tweaks, little adjustments here and there. Um, I think when you're living of the world, the kingdom of the world, you spend more time on social media. You spend more time watching the news on social media and all these other things than you do in the word. And you want to know why you're walking around with hatred and anger and fear and anxiety. It's because of the stuff you're paying attention to. You know, guess what? If you put more of that time, if you spend more time in the word, more time in his presence, that's going to override everything else going on in your life. But when you fill up with nothing but the news and what's going on in the world. Now, look, there's got to be a happy medium. You need to know what's going on. But if all you do, if you're the first thing you do is wake up in the morning, get on Facebook and figure out what's going on in the world. And it's not so you can pray for it. Well, if I don't go on it, I won't know what to pray for. Mm. So I guess my question is, are you in the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> what fire are you seeking? Seeking the fire of the Holy Ghost or the fire of hell? What are you seeking? What are you pursuing? Where are you at? Where are you at with your walk? Are you spiritually bankrupt to God? Are you saying, Lord, I can't do it. I need you every single day, every moment, every decision. So when you humble yourself and you seek him, he's going to give you more and more and more. Some of us, we just hit in cruise control because everything's good. You might as well come up. I'm going to finish up. <laughs> it was pretty quiet, though. Here's the thing. When... At some point, you're going to cross that road. At some point, you're going to get to the point where you realize, and, and it'll be known. 
that you can't do it on your own. You can't. It'll crush you. And it's painful. But it's those moments, it's those times, believe it or not, when the presence of the Holy Spirit is so powerful and his grace and his mercy in your life is so powerful. Man, that's not how you want to get it. But it's always there. It's always there. Mm. We just need to operate out of our spiritual poverty. We need to operate out of our spiritual bankruptcy. We need to seek him and want him more than ever before, especially in the times we're dealing with right now. Mm. When we seek him more, right? When we seek that spiritual poverty, that's the foundation. That's the foundation to the rest of these Beatitudes as we get into this series and we talk about everything else God has in store for us. So I don't know who that's for. I don't know. I just know that, 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 that God wants us to, to, to realize there's a shift. There's an atmospheric shift. And we need to seek him. You can't do it anymore. You, you just cannot try to do it anymore. Hmm. Father, we just love you, God. We thank you, Lord. <laughs> you are so good. Come on, holy. We love you, Lord. Hmm. We just need you more than ever, God. <sighs> Father, you see the hearts in this room. You see the hearts of those watching online. You, you know what's going on in their lives, God. We lift them up to you right now, Holy Spirit. Make yourself known to those, Father, that are seeking you. And show up in a mighty way. Oh, Father, we just need more of you. We can't do this without you, Lord. We need you in our church, in our family, in our jobs. In society, in this city, in this nation, in our schools. Father, we just need more of you. We want to be spiritually bankrupt to you, Lord. Father, we just want to remove ourselves from anything we want. It's not about us. It's all about you, Lord. So, Father, we just declare and decree right now today, Lord, that your freedom, the freedom to walk away from all those things, the freedom to, to put what the world de determines as, as important and superior, put that aside, Lord. We, give, we just declare right now you have complete freedom to come in and operate, Lord. Steer us, guide us, direct us, Lord. Open our eyes to your ways. Open our eyes to the secrets, Lord, that you have for us. Father, we just love you, Lord. Man, we just love you, Lord. Hmm. We just give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys get something out of this today. <laughs> God is good. God is good.
you know, for some of you, and even people online, look, you, you're listening to this, and it's all making a whole lot of sense because you've been doing it on your own for a long time. And you've been listening to the world. You've been listening to society on how to get where you're supposed to go. And I want to tell you right now that you have an option. You have a chance today to say, Lord, I'm going to put you first. You're going to start that relationship with him today. Like I said, salvation is for free. So we're going to offer that up right now. If that's your next step, if that's your first step in knowing who God is, is to, is to, to be saved, to welcome him into your heart, to start a relationship with him. I'm going to give you that option right now. So the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 10, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you want Jesus in your heart, and we can, every head bowed, every eye closed, however you want to do it, don't be ashamed of it. This is God. Look, if you're ashamed to even seek him for the first time, you'll be ashamed to seek him the rest of your life. But if that's you, if you're here today and, and maybe it's the first time in a long time you want to renew that commitment, it's, a, it's Lord, I never knew you and I need to know you now. Can you just raise your hand so I can see, is there anybody in here today? Anybody online? I know you're online watching. Hmm. Father, you know the hearts. You know the hearts in this room and the hearts online, Father God. So your word says, your word says if we declare with our mouth. So that's all you have to do, declare with your mouth and believe in your heart. And when you do that, you'll be saved. So we're going to repeat this as after me as a church, and we're going to pray this here. You pray this at home. Say, Jesus, I need you. Kept you out of my life for too long. Can't do it on my own. Change me. Come into my life. Be my Savior. I know you died on the cross, and you rose again just for me. Today, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, y'all, let's get excited. I'm telling you, um, I want to invite the prayer partners forward. Um, and online, you have the numbers to our prayer partners. Um, but I believe there's people in this room that you've been dealing with this. You've been dealing with trying to seek God more. You, you've been stuck in cruise control for way too long. And it's time to click off the cruise control and accelerate to God. Accelerate to what he wants to do. So we want to pray with you. Don't leave out of here today, okay, without getting prayed for. You need to come up and get prayed for today. They're going to be up here as we go into our next part of service. We're going to, this is the time that we receive our offering. Um, it's part of worship here at Destiny Church. We believe giving is part of worship. So our ushers will be at the door. So uh, after you get prayed for and you, and you want to leave, the ushers are at the door. They'll have a basket at the door. You can give on a kiosk in the foyer. You can download our app. You can give on our app. You can go to our website and give. However you want to give, however you feel you need to give. Um, like I said, there's multiple ways. But, you know, this is one of those cruise control moments. Do you trust God? Because when you give, you trust God. When you give, you're saying, God, I trust you with my finances more. I, gotta, I can't be prideful, Lord, but guess what? I'm going to give you what I have, and I'm going to trust in you, God. See, that's the hardest one. People look at that, and they go, I can trust him with all kinds of stuff, but, but, but I got to put food on the table. Well, God says, trust me. Trust me, because when I break that off from you, <laughs> when you can break through that, it's amazing to see what happens when you can trust God with that. 
So I'm going to pray over our offering, and there's plenty of ways to give. And then after that, I'm going I'm to pray over service, and then uh, we look forward to seeing everybody. Don't forget to come up and get for prayer. We'll look forward to seeing everybody again next week. So, Father, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. You are so good. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you've given us a roadmap, Lord, of what to do to seek you, to seek your kingdom, Father. Hmm. So, Father, we surrender it all to you, God. We give you everything. And we thank you, Lord. Father, we lift this offering up to you, Father, to use for your kingdom. Lord, we just ask you to bless the gift and the giver. And, Father, right now we ask you to protect us, guide us, and lead us through this week, Lord. Use us, Father God, as a light in the darkness, Father. Put people in front of us that need to hear a word, Father. Use us, Father, for situations that nobody else can do with. Father, just use us. We're available to you, Lord. Father, we submit and give everything to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Come on, y'all. One more hand clap. We love you guys. We look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless.